What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Beers Deep podcast with Deacon Greg. Greg, what's up, brother? Not much, man. Just dreaming of living. How are you? <laughs> Just dreaming of living, huh? Yep, exactly. That's deep shit. Uh, I'm good. A lot of sports news coming out, so I'm geeked to actually get to talk about some other stuff this week. Um, but I really can't complain. Had a solid weekend. Uh, got to watch Luka Doncic prove himself to be the greatest basketball player of all time, and we're now we're here. <laughs> it's amazing how stuff changes. Last week it was Dame, now this week it's Luka. I mean, playoff so, basketball is great. Let's just leave it at Fast-paced sport, my friend. Damn right. Um... But no, I mean, I think everything was wonderful that uh, happened, and let's dive right into it. Three, two, one, action. since you brought it up with Luca, Dame's points, um, a couple other things going on. What, what's, what's been your favorite storyline so far from the bubble narrative as a whole? I mean, personally, it, it had to have been the drive to get to the eighth seed in the West because it was nice actually seeing all of these teams in contention at the very last minute to try to get to that eighth seed. I think that the NBA as a whole needs to come up with a scenario that's kind of similar to this moving forward to kind of add more drama to it and get more teams involved so maybe that way we don't necessarily have 
anything that occurs where we can have more tanking, we can have more chances come in. I personally love the idea of having it within four games to complete for a playoff. I think that would be pretty cool and entertaining. Um, aside from that, just like the actual playoff rounds as a whole, man, it is crazy seeing just how many franchise caliber players are doing what franchise caliber players are doing. We see guys like Donovan Mitchell putting up 50 points a game in his series with the Nuggets and pulling ahead 3-1 recently. We see Luka absolutely dominating in a game against probably the deepest team in the NBA right now in the Clippers and forcing it to two games apiece in that series. And then we see Dame doing Dame things, but then even though he's up against the number one seed, the Lakers, his play is absolutely exceeding expectations right now. And it's great to see that we have so many guys that could drop 40 on you at any given night and can make an argument for the best player in the world right at this point. And it's kind of one of those things where you got to look at it as a whole, that the NBA is in a great spot when it comes to talent, just regardless. Yeah, they'll be sitting pretty for years to come, especially if you look at guys also like Devin Booker, who has been uh, phenomenal up until his team was no longer bubbled. And as well... Um, as well as I'm trying to think of the other sort of one that I just had in front of my face, but other guys. Oh, Jamal Murray. I think Jamal Murray has just been uh, a revelation. He put up 51 points last game. Um, and certain, you know, guys like that, Bam and Abayu, obviously is continuing to prove greatness. But it's been uh, it's been an experiment. I've loved it so far. But we can dive first into the conversation, which is if you're the Atlanta Hawks, are you regretting trading Luka Doncic right now? Absolutely. What was that? I was about to say, <laughs> going to say absolutely, but then like the thought bubble crossed my head. I was like, wait a sec, they got Trey Young in return. Um, man, that's tough. Uh, what Luca is doing is absolutely bonkers right now. But He's 21, Greg. He is 21. Yes, yes, I get that. Trey Young is wow. also well. Let's not let's not beat around the bush there. Um. Trey Young is not doing step-back threes to win playoff games against the number two team. That is fair. Man, that's tough because here's the thing. I look at Luka right now. He is playing outstanding. But he's got a running mate in Christoph Porzingis that can also dominate if need be. And he's also playing for a coach from Rick Carlisle who just knows how to utilize Luka to the fullest potential. If he's in Atlanta, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think that that organization is on the come-up. I think they are stockpiling a lot of very good young talent. But I don't know if Luca would be enough to put them over the top. I think Luca would not be the MVP player that we foresee him to be right now if he was in Atlanta. Yeah, or he would be the MVP. Who knows? It is impossible to say that. He could also be out of league. Who knows? Um, no, I think the Mavericks look great. I think they could be, you know, they could definitely beat the Clippers here. It's definitely the series that I'm watching tight. Um, as well as you brought it up, uh, the Jazz um, Nuggets series has been unbelievable. Like, it's so fun to actually have basketball games. Like, it's not so overpowered by one team. Like, a lot of these series are extremely even, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, it speaks to the parody that we have, and that's that's the parody based on the fact that there's just so many all-NBA caliber players spread out across the league that the depth everywhere is just absolutely unheard of it's kind of like one of those i remember years ago where lebron talked about the concept that the team that the league should contract 24 teams because you'd have super teams all over the place and stuff but 
I mean, if anything, these playoffs have kind of proven that the talent level is there for all teams at their disposal. Whether or not they get them to that level depends on your coaching, your developing, and all that. But I think in terms of star power, the NBA is very well positioned all around the league. Yeah, it's tough to argue against that. I mean, um, even some of the younger teams, like we had brought up the Suns. I mean, DeAndre Yaton's been playing great, and Devin Booker's tremendous. Uh, with mm-hmm. the NBA draft lottery come out, you have a team that is perpetually known as young in the Timberwolves, who now have Cat and D-Russ and will bring in probably Edwards uh, or trade that piece for something else in that organization. And then you have a team like the Hornets, who, you know, this may be uh, a resurgence of a second Kemba situation where they get a top-tier talent guy and they kind of float in limbo forever because they'll never actually make anything of themselves. But uh, the league is in a very, very good place right now. Yes, absolutely. And I and big and huge, huge, huge for the Hornets to get a top three pick. Because even though I will absolutely say this is one of the weakest classes in years, the fact mm-hmm. that they the, belt, the balls bounce right for them and they're able to get at least a top-of-the-level talent in this class is huge for them. Because I could argue they haven't had a franchise player since Kemba, and Kemba wasn't able to do as much as he should have for that team because he needed more around him. And that franchise just couldn't put as many great pieces around him for him to succeed. We're seeing what Kemba can do with a team. I mean, Boston absolutely dominated the Sixer series and cost Brett Brown his job. So, I mean, that's all you need to know about how good Kemba can be if you actually stock the talent around him. Oh, for sure. I mean, Kemba's a tremendous talent. Um, it's just like we brought up before, it's more the organizations being crappy as opposed to the teams themselves being crappy. And I guess crappy may not be like the best word to use, but if an organization's crappy, you just kind of know they're going to be crappy. Right. It may not be the best term to use, but it's also the most accurate one. Like you just, I, and you know, one team that I think that rings true for Greg is the 76ers. Uh, they fired Brown today, their head coach. Um, I, I don't foresee us seeing this exact team go out on the floor next year. I don't either. I, I find it very hard to believe that they, that Embiid is going to be on the move. I think they see Embiid as the franchise of that team. And I don't blame them because in all seriousness, I think his God-given talent, he should dominate. I think there were games in this series where you could see flashes of it. I think he dropped 30 points and 10 rebounds in his last game. So that's the type of numbers that you want from your big man. Obviously, you think he can do a little bit more, but I think you need you need a specific type of coach to kind of bring that out of him to be able to force him to kind of take over a game. Um, I look at the rest of that roster. I firmly believe Ben Simmons is not going to be back for the Sixers. I think Ben Simmons just does not fit with that organization anymore. I think he needs to be the man in another market for him to reach the heights that we kind of believe that he has. A good yeah, the ones that we've put on him. Agreed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, Tobias Harris isn't a bad piece necessarily. Um, no, Tobias Harris is a great forward. He just is yes. not a great NBA player. Like, he's a good forward for this team, and he, he can shoot, but he's not the missing link. No. So, I mean, I, I think the Sixers need to kind of take this opportunity to kind of figure out what is the next step for them. I think Elton Brand has a lot of decisions he needs to make. This is a big, big year for him. He he did a great job trying to build an NBA championship caliber team in the past few years. He traded mm-hmm. for Jimmy Butler. He traded for Tobias Harris. I mean, there was a point last year when they should have gone to the finals if it wasn't for a Kawhi Leonard just unreal shot to be able to sink their hopes. So like, let's not give, let's not discard them whatsoever, but I think the Sixers are in a spot right now where 
after the performance they had against a very good Celtics team that absolutely yeah we can't knock them and not say that the Celtics aren't like no no the team in the Eastern is great this Celtics team is very very good um I think that series with the Raptors is going to be phenomenal but I look at the Sixers team and I just think that they need to they don't necessarily need to blow up the roster but they definitely need to make some tough decisions this year to kind of move forward and I think Embiid is definitely the one that they want to move forward yeah which I mean I'm I I think Ben Simmons is okay. I mean, the injury worries me a little bit, and he just hasn't shown flashes of that LeBron-esque player everyone expected him to jump into. So we'll have to see where they go, where they end up. Uh, for me, man, I never trusted the process. I don't know. I liked it, Bede, but I've been a very loud – I just never was a fan of it. I don't know. Taking three centers with the, what, top three overall picks back-to-back-to-back years is always a rough look. Um, but whatever. Um the games we got going on today, man. So the Bucks beat the Magic. Milwaukee leads the series three one. That's three straight wins for Milwaukee. So we can tell Josh to calm down. Yep, like I told him to last week as well. <laughs> like we tell him to every week. Uh, tonight, though, the two more important games I would say: the Lakers play the Trailblazers. They lead the series two to one, and the Heat look to sweep the Pacers three zero. I favor the Heat in that one, man. I agree. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are playing out of world, especially Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler looks like he is, looks like he is just has a rocket ship attached to him, and he's just burning right. all ends right now. He's playing, he's playing all world offense, and he's playing all elite level defense in this series. So, credit to him. Um, I think the Bucks, if the Bucks beat the Magic, which we're expecting them to be, a mat, uh, a Heat and Bucks semifinal game is going to be very interesting. I mean that's. These the Eastern Conference semis, which they are projected to be, I think both could easily go seven just because of how well balanced each team is going to be against the other. So that's going to be oh for thing. sure. Yeah, it's like we um, talked about with the Clippers Lakers situation, where it's it's almost a hundred percent about the matchup, not so much the teams, because there's a reason that the Trailblazers were finding success against the Lakers and the Magic one. You know what I mean? It's it's there's a reason the Mavericks are doing well against the Clippers, and it's a lot of teams matching up well with teams that may be better than them, but the matchup's key. Yeah, so looking at this Lakers and Blazers series, uh, Lakers took the last two games, uh, obviously. I mean, um, I wasn't able to actually watch the games live. So um, just, just from kind of your vantage point, are you looking at the Blazers as kind of they're starting to tire out? You know, they don't really have much left in the tank after just fighting for their lives to get to this point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just that simple. I was expecting like, a little more detailed response, but okay. What were you expecting? I don't know. I was expecting like something kind of more analytic, analytic based or whatever. Because I said I hadn't been watching it. Yeah, I mean, damn, Greg. You know, analytics aren't <laughs> my thing. I'm, I'm straight to the point. I don't know. Oh, hold on. Try me again. Ask again. Hold on. Here we go. All right. So, D. Based on the last two games where the Lakers were able to beat the Blazers, is it a situation now where you look at this Blazers team? Are they essentially starting to tire out from fighting for their lives to get to this point, and they just have nothing left in the tank? Yeah. Damn it, I did it again. Uh, <laughs> no. no, man. The uh, the Blazers, I mean, if you think about it, the last eight games going into the actual playoffs themselves were all basically elimination games, and you have to take that into account. And Dane was playing at an all-time high level, and everyone knows he can. But that team's still young, and that team is still uh, – you know, not very well experienced in the playoffs when it comes down to it. I mean, obviously, the last two years they've been successful. But, 
um, to make a basically they already played a best of seven series and they won seven games. You know what I mean? Like it's tough for me to to say they're not tired or exhausted. So I think that that's factoring a lot in. And the fact that the Lakers had a nice break and are able to kind of ease themselves back into it, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we kind of we bashed the Bucks and the Lakers when they lost their their first games, and we thought, oh, I guess the strategy for resting your guys and getting minutes for your role players might not have been the best idea. But now we're seeing that obvious reasoning for it coming to fruition where LeBron is taking over, Anthony Davis is kind of waking up, and Giannis finally is rallying his troops around to get up to the game. So I guess the logic is now starting to come to fruition with that where these guys didn't have to do as much to start, and now they're putting all their energy into this moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Um, the other game there, uh, which I know we won't talk about much because I didn't see the Bucks Magic, but they beat them in pretty dominating fashion, so I'm not worried about that. Um, last night, we saw Paul George basically shit the bed. I mean, the dude was just tremendous when it came into it. So um, do you have big issues for the Clippers right now, especially with how high the world is running on Luka Doncic? Not necessarily. And the reason I say that is because you could definitely argue that they should have lost game one because of Kristaps. Um, they definitely lost game two. I think they woke up in game three and showed the type of team that they are to be able to come out and firing on all cylinders. I think game four was just, I don't want to say it was luck because Luca is definitely an all caliber player to be able to pull off something like that. But I think mm-hmm. when you're when you're in overtime, I mean, anything can happen at that point. Like, all bets are off. It's whoever gets the ball last. And if you put it in the hands of someone who just knows what they're doing, I mean, Godspeed right there. Uh, I, I don't have too many concerns because I think after the first two games, honestly, the Clippers dominated game three, in my opinion. And last night, I think it was very even-based. And I think the Clippers yeah. kind of looked at last night and thought, okay, we need to wake up because there's a very good chance that this team's not going to give us any room to work because they have two very capable scores when they are on right there. Um, I still say the Clippers win this. I, I think it'll be probably in six just because I think that Doc Rivers will have his troops ready to go for game five. Cool with that. Uh, let's transition over to the NFL. So they had uh, pretty big fuck-ups. They had 77 tests sent out that were false positives to players. It caused practice to shut down. Big names like Josh Allen were on the list. Uh, they were unable to practice and then had to go back in. Um, man, it's good to know that they were incorrect and that they are retesting and all those types of things. But that does not give me the most peace of mind when it comes to how well the NFL will operate this year, Greg. No, it terrifies me too. The fact that you had this many number of players that come back with false positives. It affected, I think, probably a quarter of the league of teams that had false positives come back to them. The fact that you don't have your testing down pat when we're, what, three weeks away from the season starting? I mean, that's pretty scary to think about when you had all this time to make sure that you had your protocols and your procedures ready to go to be able to give your players the opportunity to compete at a high level without having to worry about situations like this and you're screwing up like this now granted these guys didn't come back with covid so i mean we can be thankful for that but at the same time that your your infrastructure is not doing your capabilities from what you originally planned for it to happen that's not a good look for the nfl and this is something that is going to be a huge issue i mean i 
honestly, in all seriousness, I'm not sure if we're going to get through an entire season. I, I fully believe that there's a very good chance that we could see a fuck up happen to the point where season so, canceled halfway through. Yeah, I think that I had a conversation with a Sackley Godfather, a six pen, uh, yesterday about it, and we were talking about, you know, my, my reasoning was, you know, obviously, what are you going to do when a team has to miss a week? And how do you make that game up if the bye weeks don't match up and all those things? And his point was, well, there is a huge NFL offseason that you could move everything back and still start next year with the appropriate amount of time. I was like, that's, that's a really good point, actually. Uh, and then another person said, what if they played a game and then everyone just went home for two weeks and they all came back and played their game and everybody went home and quarantined for two weeks. And then we just, you know, I was like, oh, I guess that would work in theory. But um, they could easily move the season back an extra month or two and get those games made up. It would just take a little more logistics. But that, that at least that thought process gave me a more peace of mind about the topic. Yeah, but based on how they're infrastructure has already kind of failed at this point. I mean, I don't trust the NFL being able to pull off something like this right now. Well, what do you mean infrastructure like, failed just from the testing? Yeah, I think they, they, ha- they had everything. They had so much time to make sure that they got everything ready to go to make sure that they had the testing down pat to be able to get back timely results and to be able to get back extra. And yet you come back with something like this for a quarter of the league. You have guys sitting out where it turns out they actually work possible. I mean, that's, that's a failure. Oh, you're getting pretty soft, Greg. I think you're moving far away from your phone signal or something. Let's see if you can. Oh, well, okay. the fact there that you, you had all this, the fact that all this time to be able to get everybody now at the point where you basically get tested, and you're able to turn around and Gotcha. Yeah, I can see that. And you could foresee, obviously, uh, issues that are going to arise just based off the simple mistakes they made and the time they've had to capitalize on those mistakes. And they obviously are the NFL and they don't care about anyone else but themselves. So some big names we can talk about. Earl Thomas is a free agent. He was released by the Baltimore Ravens after punching fellow safety. I believe it was Clark in the face. Um, Man. To go from the Earl Thomas in Seattle to the middle finger to the Ravens to come get me from Dallas in the beginning of that to this, I just – he's not the same Earl Thomas in my brain anymore, man. Yeah, I, I, I really don't I, – I can't wrap my brain around what exactly happened. Like, I, I looked at the Earl Thomas from Seattle as the best things I've ever seen. And I looked at him as you've never really heard anything. You're still breaking up pretty bad, Greg, just to warn you, buddy. No, it still sounds like you're super duper far away. Which is weird because the phone is like literally right next to my face. That perk, that kicked back to the, so you're, okay, so Earl Thomas. All right, so. No, I, I, I don't recognize this guy anymore. It's it's crazy to think that coming from Seattle, where I looked at him as probably the best free safety in the NFL, where you never heard anything about the type of personality that he was, 
and all of a sudden he This is a really bad thing. I mean, it kind of makes you think, like, it makes you kind of respect the girl. Yeah, no idea on, on what could happen and how well it was controlled. And a lot of people gave that same kind of credit to Tomlin for the Antonio Brown situation because a lot of people didn't know how bad it was and then it gets bad in those. But Earl Thomas, uh, a lot of teams are looking at him, but no one's in a rush to sign him just because. Um, of the way the NFL is breaking out right now. I know that they, um, the Dallas Cowboys have been a big team trying to go after Earl, but they'll wait and sit and see. Um, a lot of things could happen with Earl Thomas. I know he will be playing football this season. Uh, other big names that are being in the wings kind of right now, Des Bryant had a tryout and left Baltimore without a contract. They also are waiting for Antonio Brown's eight-game suspension. Uh, what is the likelihood that Baltimore actually signs one of these two receivers? I'd be surprised because they've invested so much into uh, drafting wide receivers the last couple of years to give Lamar Jackson the weapons that he needs. There's a lot of young talent on that team that I feel like, I mean, you could argue maybe adding a veteran piece would be a benefit for them. But, I mean, adding something like a new group who just had a history of situations that have the last few years, I feel like that headache is one of especially after they're all positive. Does Brian? This is interesting. I mean, I think in the last few years, we have heard a lot from him. I think that, I think one of the big things that happened with Dallas, especially, was they monitored him all the time after his first season, so he was kind of quiet moving forward. I don't know if he was necessarily going to see him personality at all. But I wouldn't give him a chance to have a little roster to kind of be with him while he's doing it. And I think he'd be a good. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, I think it'd be a good fit. I think it's the one piece they kind of need, and he's a leadership name, even though he is punching his own guys in the face, uh, into something that the Dallas defense could need. Um, other things coming out of this, uh, which actually this one cracks me up. Le'Veon Bell said that you know they need Sam Darnold at full health, so he's not allowed to go to bars anymore. Because if you remember last year, Sam Darnold missed part of the season uh, with, or I think it was Mono, after making out with a girl like a dork. So make out with a girl, <laughs> catch mono, almost lose your job in that order. Man, you're the starting quarterback of the New York Jets. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yep. Uh, the one thing, so Grant Delpit was carted off the field today for the Browns, which I thought was significant news just because he was one of the top safeties that slipped in the draft again, just like they took Greedy Williams, one of the top cornerbacks that slipped. So I'll be interested to see what happens with that. Uh, I, um, I saw today he apparently tore mm-hmm. his Achilles. Mm. Mm. That's not good for him. Uh, that's what happens when you go to Cleveland, though, man. <laughs> There's also reports that if you are going to buy a Steelers jersey, do not buy the number five. Apparently, the Steelers are, are uh, not loving Paxton Lynch as a fourth-string quarterback, which if you're going to buy a Steelers jersey, I don't think there is any situation in the world where you're buying a Paxton Lynch jersey. No, I'll, or just wait until we draft another quarterback, he takes number five, and then you'll be good. Yep, just get a five without the name on the back and fix it later. Absolutely. It's the simplest fix for you. Yeah. Oh, for sure, my guy. Um, and then in other news here, uh, I'm trying to think there was one other thing at the NFL. I, I do find it still weird that Jadavion Clowney and those guys are unsigned. 
because you're looking at some heavy hitter names that are like still out, like Devontae Freeman's still out there, which he'll probably wait until a running back goes down or something like that. But it's kind of crazy that there's still free agents out there. Well, I mean, I looked at Jadeveon Young Clowney, and his asking price is still not coming down. Like the dude is asking for a yearly salary to be in line with essentially the top five pass rushers in the NFL right now. And I'm sorry, but Jadeveon Young Clowney is just not worth it. I understand. I think on name value, he might be able to get attention away from your other pass rushers to kind of rack up the numbers that we think. But in terms of his production value, he just is not up to the level of the guys that he's trying to get money comparison to. He's not like the Joey Bosa or any of the other guys that just signed massive extensions recently. Like he's not putting up production were not being willing to no yeah and you also got to consider the fact that most of the people that do sign the um sign the extension sign the contracts get traded most of the time the team that does the receiving of the player it it doesn't work out positive for them i mean seattle obviously took on jadavion Clowney, gave up a decent chunk for him and he's gone so anybody that's going to walk, like Jadavion Clowney walks in your door and you sign him, that's almost always going to hurt you worse than if you draft a guy and sign him like Bosa. So I do think that leaving the Texan system, um, obviously to a place that didn't have a long-term deal in place, was a bad decision for his future. But if Seattle would have won a title last year, it's a whole new day then. Yeah, I'm very surprised that when he traded to Seattle, he didn't agree to force them to a sign and trade before he agreed to the trade. I find that I, I find that interesting. I would have thought for sure that that'd be something that he would, him and his agent would have pushed for before the deal was finished. That, or at least something that says, like either you know we get a deal or not, or like I don't know. I find it weird because he hasn't made any kind of stink after the fact. Like he hasn't come out and said, "Well, they said they were going to sign me and they didn't," or blah 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 blah. Like, they legitimately, it seems like he has no ill will towards Seattle, so it seems like they all agreed, hey, we're just going to bring you in for this one year, and then you can go to a max deal. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting, because I was thinking about it, and I was like, obviously Seattle didn't want to offer him what he wanted, but they had a nice offer, so I wonder if there was any talks about it beforehand, which you would assume there'd have to be. Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, it, it's intriguing, because it's not like that Seattle has that all elite-level pass rusher anymore. I mean, they traded Frank Clark to be able to bring in Jadev Young Clowney in the first place. I mean, I, looking at the rest of that team, I can't really tell you who would be the predominant pass rusher moving forward. No clue, actually. Mm-hmm. Our, so, also, I, I don't know. I'm going to talk to Josh tonight about maybe moving it to next Thursday because I didn't realize we still have a lot of time until the season. Um, but our draft is supposed to be for the Thoughts of the Vegetable League this Thursday, Greg. Uh, are you prepared to lose again this year? Uh, I will be prepared to put in a much better effort compared to last year. Just leave Very it at that. Very proud of you for that one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> now the fantasy football is heavy and underway. You spend a Southern Marathon, which I think this is the first year I really didn't sit down and watch too much of it. Um, big headlines in the fantasy world are that there are none right now, which is kind of a good thing meaning that there weren't any season or career-ending injuries. There's a couple concussions and tweaks of the hamstring, which I think the hamstring tweaks are the biggest thing right now because you got Lamar Jackson with a groin injury. you got um, – there was another big name with a hamstring. Tyreek Hill is resting with a hamstring injury. Um, a, a lot of, like, little soft muscle tweaks that are kind of concerning for deeper in the season. Yeah, you've always been kind of a big believer in looking out for the hamstring ones, especially if they're – ones that occur 
often. And that's kind of why Alshon Jeffrey is kind of the black sheep. Avoid Alshon Jeffrey. Avoid um, no, I, I find it very surprising that we haven't seen any career necessarily fantasy impact career injuries. Usually you're really I think I think you're not getting live game action and you're gonna be able to kind of Sorry, you broke up towards the end there, so I let it finish. I think the audio should be fine. Maybe it's something with just uh, my headset, so I let that ride out a little bit, but we'll go on. Uh, Just jump to the next topic, which, Greg, I think the most popular name right now and having the biggest second-year jump is that of Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, where people are projecting him to be the MVP this upcoming season. Uh, I think he's in a very friendly offense. I think they finally have the weapons. Kenyon Drake was seen in a walking boot today, which at that being said, Chase Edmonds and Eno Benjamin are more than capable of handling that workload. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be buying into the Cardinals hype this year, Greg. I I got nothing wrong with that, man. I drafted Kyler Murray in our mock draft last week. I'm high on him as well. I, I look at how well he performed in that offense last year when, in all seriousness, there was a lot of doubt for him uh, coming into the season last year because of the fact that you're going for a coach that has never played, that has never coached the NFL before. It was a very surprise hire when it was heard, by the way. But the numbers mm-hmm. that Kyler Murray put up, especially in the second half of the season, were very eye-popping for the latter part of it. Oh, yeah, they made, you, they made you pay attention. Yeah, they made him pay attention. The offense is absolutely geared towards Kyler Murray's strength. You cannot knock the fact anymore that he is so undersized just because of the fact that he produced the numbers that he did. Or the fact that he's such a smaller quarterback. So I completely understand the hype train. I mean, the big issue moving forward, obviously, is still that O line is not for his world. No, he is a he is a he is a target defensive uh, hopefully he is not but the fact that he's an offensive right out all down the and I can probably easily gonna toss him out. But again, I think 4,000 for next now. I mean, well, you should easily All right, it lost you there again, so I'm just going to hope that the audio was good and move forward with it. I'm not really sure what's going on with the app today, but we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. The other one that I just realized was a little fantasy relevant was Mike Williams with a shoulder sprain in the Chargers system, who was, if you remember, Greg, one of the wide receivers that I said were sleeper value due to their ADP. Uh, maybe just stick around and see if he's okay before you draft him now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a shoulder strain isn't necessarily the end of the world, so we'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. But, yeah, no, depending on what round you're in, Mike Williams could be a hell of a steal, especially if you can get him in double digits or even later, maybe an eighth or ninth potentially yeah get him that late yeah as a number as a number two wide receiver in that offense i mean uh, i think he could i think he could put up some great numbers this year 
Yeah, and I think uh, I think he has the potential too. It just depends if their quarterback play is going to be there. Um, they'll be an interesting team to walk into the season. Uh, definitely watching everything. Uh, when it comes to fantasy, I did have a, a weird situation pop up, which was that Christian McCaffrey did not go first in the league I was helping a buddy with. If you weren't going to take CMC first, Greg, in fantasy, give, like, give me a, a legitimate case for like two or three other guys. Uh, Saquon Barkley, just because of the fact that he's younger for a keeper perspective, for a dynasty perspective. Uh, this is a guy that does not have as much wear and tear on his body. He's the focal point of that offense, and he has and I, I think he could easily go for a thousand yards this year. I don't know about receiving, but I mean, he's definitely a bell cow for them, so I can see that argument. Um, I mean, I, I mean, so like after Saquon, it would probably be a time for my opinion. Uh, put up a ridiculous, very good. I'm going to call you right back, right? Because it, it's not. I can't hear anything. Like, I can kind of hear this and that. So, give me two seconds. All right. Let's see if that works out. Try that one. Uh, Greg, out of the rookies in football right now, which one do you actually think has the most fantasy football relevance not named Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Damn it. That's not fair. Yep. Um <laughs> All right. I... There are so many receivers to kind of pick from this perspective. I'm leaning towards a guy that I just think fits in a situation that he's going to be relied on more. I look at Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, and I just kind of see him as the type of guy that he's going to essentially take Stephon Diggs' spot right now. We saw how well he played for LSU last year with Joe Burrow, and it's not like Kirk Cousins is that much of a you know downgrade or anything like that based on the offense that they're playing with. But in terms of being a number two receiver, I'm looking for big things coming from Justin Jefferson. I think he could definitely be a guy that will rack up a lot of catches this year just for being a guy that could go in the slot very easily. Yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. I mean, I think Justin Jefferson's a great pick for that. Um, I do love me some CeeDee Lamb in that Dallas offense, but I'm not sure about his instant part uh, in there. And then obviously with some of X. I mean, Cam Akers been the big name. Uh, down in L.A., who I do not believe will meet up to his hype just because everyone is talking this guy crazy. But D'Angelo Henderson did get hurt today in practice, so we will see from that. But then the other clear-cut name is Jonathan Taylor, my boy up in Indianapolis, who I do believe will be RB1 very soon in that offense. I I agree. I think in terms of talent, he's definitely the most talented running back. But I think as of now, Marlon Mack is going to not go down without a fight for the starting running back position. This is a guy that put up a thousand yards rushing last year. He is a very good 
back for that team. I think he's going to be a great piece for Philip Rivers to rely upon, and I think he will still put up some solid numbers to start the year. But, yeah, don't sleep on Jonathan Taylor maybe getting in at the second half of the season potentially. I think for dynasty purposes, he's definitely someone that you want to go for, but Marlon Mack is not someone that I'd be willing to push away put to the wayside just because. Oh, no, not at all. And I think Naeem Hines still has some uh, relevancy in that offense. Is not... Uh, I just see that offense opening up so much more with a guy that can run like him. Uh, he is a freaking animal. So. Mm-hmm. It's just a me thing, though. Uh, I, another name that I do like a lot this year in fantasy that I think will have a better year than last that I'm pretty high on, Greg, is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, we dropped in our running back rankings this week, and he will absolutely be talked about in there, mainly because I think that offense goes through him this year, and we discussed several times on the show that they weren't just going to give him the bell cow responsibilities with him missing an entire year of football, right? Now they can actually ease him into the offense and get everything set up. Yeah, I think he was forced to take on a bigger role than they wanted him to last year because of Sam Darnold being out for the beginning of the season, and they mm-hmm. needed Bell to kind of take over for a bit. He obviously didn't because, again, I don't think he was necessarily in football shape just from the perspective of you're away from the game for so long. You kind of need your body to get acclimated more. You need to like kind of remember how to run, how to cut, how to read defenses to be able to do what he does best. I think last year was a good reminder for what he could do and for his capabilities. I think that this will be a much better year for him because I think the offense will kind of be able to adjust his strengths and also with Sam Darnold starting again this year at the get-go I don't think he'll necessarily need to be relied upon as much early so his body will be able to kind of spread out the workload and he'll be able to manage himself a little bit better this year I would if I could get Le'Veon Bell in the second round I think that'd be amazing for myself and I would have no problems with him being my RB1 yeah I'm looking at it because in my on my draft that is this weekend uh and not the TFTV one that, that we don't obviously have everything set in I have the uh, last pick in the first and the first pick in the second, and I'm already walking in with Juju and Nick Chubb. So uh, depending on the receivers that fall, I most likely will get a receiver and a running back there. Uh, It just depends how the board falls. I'm going into it very relaxed, but Le'Veon Bell is definitely a name I would love to have, um, especially to pair him with guys that I know are already successful in the NFL. But I think that offense is going to go through him, and I think he's going to have a good year. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of your other two guys that you got. I think Nick Chubb's going to have a great year this year based on Kevin Stefanski's scheme, and I think Juju will have a much better year this year because of the fact that he's coming in healthy and he actually has Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the ball, so he'll be looked at a lot more this year. Yeah, agreed, man. The Big Ben aspect of the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is undeniable. I mean, he is the offense. You know what I mean? He is, he, he is the lifeblood of that, and the scary thing is that we still almost got a wild card last year without him even touching the football past week three. Yeah, it speaks volumes to how deep that team is as a whole, how great that defense played last year, and just how much talent is still at our disposal for Ben to be able to work with with his last two years. Hell yeah. What are you doing tonight, Greg? Are you going to watch the 88 Hour? I sure as oh, hell wow. That's am a no. going to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's lock it up here. Thursday, we have a just an hour-long show for the people that are watching on Twitch because um, we have the TFTB um, – draft that night barring barring change because i'm going to talk to josh tonight because if we can uh, for some reason i thought the season started sooner than it is um but the fact that we still have i think three weeks until it you know we may relax a little bit or maybe we'll just do it because i already told everyone that was the date other than that yeah uh, make sure you oh go ahead Greg. no i was gonna say i mean i got nothing wrong with you kind of kind of pushing it because i mean you never know what can happen in three weeks in training camp so we'll see 
No, so maybe we'll just do it to screw you over. Oh, uh, yeah. Just be a dick, yeah. All righty. Well, thank you guys very much for listening to Beers D Podcast. Apologies for the technical issues. I will get that all fixed up. Uh, but we will see you guys Thursday from 6 to 8 on the Twitch channel. Say bye.